In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, clear our wits, open our minds and hearts, and illuminate them, that by your grace we may be men and women after your own heart, true friends that you call us to be, in all things great and small. And we ask this through you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. Could someone close that door? I hear Gregorian chant, and it's slightly distracting. Thank you. Oh, just stopped. Thank you. All right. Uh, good to be with you here this evening. My name is Father John Riley. I'm from uh, well, I'm from Arlington, but I've been in Denver for the past ten years, leading uh, twenty and thirty somethings uh, to the heights. Rocky Mountains, uh, the lowest, darkest, filthiest gutter in downtown Denver is a thousand feet higher than New Blue Ridge here. So uh, it was sort of exciting to be up there above the tree line, but there's also great beauty in Virginia as well. So uh, I came tonight to propose to you uh, something which is beautiful. So I'll give it my best. My understanding is I have about 30 minutes and then the fun part starts. So, tough times, pandemic, epidemic, plague, whatever you want to call it, factions, fighting, strife, economic upheaval, scandals in the church to the highest levels, and a new power looming in the East. Certainly, the worst of times. It was 800 years ago. It was the dawn of the 13th century, the 1200s. The 13th century dawned darkly. It has parallels in our time as well. Uh, those of you who know your church history, know that most Catholic historians consider the 13th century the most glorious century in the 20th century since Christ. It dawned darkly, but on the darkest nights the stars shine most brightly. If you know your history, that century was off to a very unpromising start and, and a, a rather scruffy, eccentric, spoiled brat of a fella went into a chapel which was about maybe 20% the size of this space. Falling down, had no roof. He'd had probably the equivalent of a nervous breakdown before. Now he was slowly recovering. He goes in to pray. Francis, Rebuild my church, which, as you see, is falling into ruins. One generation later, this man, Francesco, uh, the fair Lady Claire, and St. Dominic, with a little help from the Holy Spirit, turned things around. Study your history. 20 years almost a complete turnaround. 
The dark 13th century became the glorious 13th century. 800 years later, here we are. One of you here might be the next Francesco Benedone or Lady Claire, Chiara, light, beauty, or perhaps the ponderous, brilliant Dominic, whose spiritual son Thomas revolutionized thought in a way no one else ever has and probably ever will, no merely human person. Tough times breed saints, and you're called to be saints. And so you're gathered here, not because you're saints, but because you're sinners, wanting to become saints. By God's grace, all things are possible. You look at the 13th century, it doesn't take much. Uh, spoiled brat, who had a nervous breakdown. A fine lady, she was impressive, Chiara. Dominic, brilliant. Turn around. In this century, it doesn't take much. Think of power. Think of, um, I was out in the West those 10 years, one match can set off a wildfire that consumes hundreds of thousands of acres. One match, a little bit of effort. Those of you here who know physics, if I had a teaspoonful of sugar, as Mary Poppins would say, it helps the medicine go down. If the matter on that teaspoon were reduced to pure energy, the energy that God binds up in matter, it would blow the earth away more effectively than the Death Star. Power. That little white disc of bread over there a few days ago was merely a little white disc of bread. Now suspended in the monstrance is the Lord and creator of the universe, who not, not merely created it, but sustains it in existence. Time, space, matter, energy, spirit, through whom all things were made and continue in existence. It doesn't take much. A white disc of bread and a few words. So the temptation is to think these overwhelming tides of darkness are overcoming us and the world, and you feel engulfed and lost. Afraid? Angry? Anxious? I think the devil's most powerful weapon in this age is discouragement. It's just easy to want to sit back and figure, what's the use? If you do that, he's already won. He cannot have access to your heart. And so the only difference between a saint and a sinner is a saint is a sinner who never stopped trying. We've got to keep going at it. You're off to a good start on a Wednesday evening. You're here. Your faith is weak. My faith is weak. Hope. There's days where I feel hopeless too. Feel hopeless. It's not the same thing as being hopeless. We can't let the devil in. We can't let him have us in despair. And so tonight I'll, I'll, I'll make a modest proposal to you, and perhaps two. So, how does one go about becoming a saint? Well, thank God, by his grace, we're Catholics, perhaps weak and sinful. I can only speak for one here, very weak and sinful, but Catholics. We have an intimacy with Christ in Holy Communion at Mass, 
No one else can. He loves them, he works on them, but he gives himself to us. Not because we're better than the rest, but because for some mysterious reason in his providence, he factored us in, in this particular way. And those to whom much is given, much is expected. So, think of a a three-legged stool. One of those legs, bread of life. Second leg, mercy. Through that wall, two boxes in there, two closets. Whatever you've got, whatever you've done, are you willing to try to put it behind you? There's a guy in there who's going to say, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you've got at that point is gone. You leave there immaculate. Your soul's beautiful and radiant, ready to try again. And if you keep trying, eventually you will succeed because three divine persons want you to succeed, not just in this life, but eternally. So we've got the bread of life for nourishment, the uh, embrace of his mercy, Jesus' mercy in confession to restore us where most Catholics fumble the ball. They never move beyond the level of being faithful servants and soldiers because they don't pray enough. They don't pray enough. So the focus tonight is going to be on prayer and perhaps a way to enrich your prayer. And so... I didn't get a chance to scope this place out. Am I, are you able to hear me in the back? Am I clear? Okay, good. Sometimes it's hard to tell, especially when you get over, I'll be 60 in two months. And look at two. It's a question of prayer. The best definition for prayer, hard to improve on it, Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a citation that's easy to remember. Luke 6, 12. Luke 6, 12. Jesus spends the night in communion with God. Best definition for prayer above any other I've seen. Some are more beautiful or eloquent. Communion with God. Frequently involves words Not always. Words are not essential to prayer, especially the deeper types of prayer. Most people don't know the distinction between meditation and contemplation. They're used interchangeably. They're not the same thing. Then the word mental prayer, the term mental prayer, confuses people even more. Meditation, powers of the mind, to think. Contemplation, Union of the will, to simply rest in his presence. When Luke in his gospel, the only one who tells us, Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Treasuring, contemplation. Pondering, meditation. The rosary is a great school of prayer. The modest proposal I have for you tonight is to uh, enrich your prayer by embracing Jesus more intimately in the Gospels. Father Mike Schmitz, who's a speaker far more talented than I could ever hope to be, 
God gives his gifts. That's a gifted man. He's, I guess his podcast now is number one on earth. I mean, including the seculars, the Bible in the ear. Good start. You know what I hope next year is going to be? What I'm going to propose to you now, it's not going to be me who does it. God willing, it'll be you who will do it. To read through the Gospels, to read through the story of Christ, not all of Matthew, all of Mark, all of Luke, and all of John, but to try to read through the story chronologically, correctly. Very few Catholics have ever done this. This is my modest proposal tonight, and then I'll sit down, you'll get a benediction, and then holy water out in the parking lot. Now, the way that most people approach the life of Christ, they go to Sunday Mass, or sometimes they read Scripture, spiritual reading, but we tend to get his, his story in bits and pieces. Imagine going into a, a movie theater back in 1980, and you sit down, the drums roll, Empire Strikes Back starts. Imagine that's the first Star Wars film you see, Empire Strikes Back. Who's this guy in the cape? What's going on here? Why is he after this guy? You get partial explanations, but it presumes that you already know plot details that unfolded in an earlier film. So it is with the life of Christ. You can have a far greater understanding of the individual episodes if you see the spectrum of the events as they unfolded, the story in proper order. That's what this sheet is. Now, if you know your basic scriptures, you've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the horse of a different color. Matthew, tax collector, apostle. Mark, probably a spoiled little rich kid. Uh, also, a disciple of Peter. When you're reading Mark's gospel, you're reading Peter. Peter as he preached the gospel in Rome. Matthew, tax collector, Mark, Peter's gospel, the shortest, the most on action, Luke. Of the three synoptic gospels, that means same eye, some of you know this, Luke's, I'd argue, is the most beautiful. Most women agree with me, a lot of guys do too. Luke's is the gospel for women. He tells us more about what the women did and what they thought, how they served our Lord. Sinners, the poor, and prayer. He's distinctive among the synoptics. So I think the most effective way to go about reading Jesus' life in proper sequence is to take Luke and John as sort of a good map, a bit of common sense, and you can get a pretty accurate unfolding of the story. This sheet is probably 95% accurate. Some of these stories are sort of up in the air. It's hard to tell exactly where they took place. For example, when Martha's running around like a chicken and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, it's hard to place that story in terms of time. Most of this is pretty straightforward and obvious. This looks like a lot of work, you know. If you take your time, I say, try to read it in sequence, like a novel. It's five and a half to six hours of reading. 
in a month, that's not much time. And then what you're doing is you're effectively getting your arms around the whole story of Christ. So the individual episodes, you can now understand them in their proper context. Why Jesus was abrupt at a particular time. Why he did not want to work that miracle for the Syrophoenician woman. You can begin to get some sense of the story. The individual episodes make much more sense if you do that. So my modest proposal is we're, we're drawing to the end of the Easter season. Ordinary time is right around the corner. It'll be good to be in green again. I miss green this time of the year. We see it all around us. Priest likes to wear it, especially priests named Riley from the, the Holy Land, Ireland, just off the coast of the most wicked nation that ever existed. Some of you have heard of it. Read the story. Read the story. Highest recommendation, and this is not in the notes, is uh, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, New Testament. It's only the New Testament. Now, I've been working with the graduate school for years, the last decade, guys. Uh, if you've got the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, the footnotes, the panels, the information, the equivalent of four master's level courses, readily accessible, you don't need to be a theologian to understand it, um, and the best, the best. So if you're going to exercise, or you're going to follow this exercise, do it with the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. Now it's tricky, the Ignatius RSVCE, RSV Catholic Edition, that's the whole Bible, that doesn't have the footnotes. Just a good, accurate translation of the Greek text. The study Bible has got it. On Amazon, it's between 7 and 20 bucks, depending on when you click the mouse. But get a new one for 20 bucks. Get the soft cover. It's actually every bit as good as the hard cover. It'll last you a lifetime. Read the story and know it. Now, I, my, I'm stationed out in, in Winchester, in the country, in the valley. So I'm at Sacred Heart Catholic Church, and then also at the, the Diocesan Retreat Center, San Damiano, in, in White Post. It's a great place to go. I'll give you a pitch for that at the very end. Um, out there in God's country, it's a lot easier to find quiet, calm, serene space. And so... While we're out there, we try to teach people how to pray. On the back of this sheet, finding Jesus in the Gospels, something I'd propose. These little pamphlets, which the Arlington Diocese puts out, are excellent. Basics on prayer, praying with Scripture. And you've got Lexio Divina on the left and Ignatian Meditation on the right. Most of you here have heard the term Lexio Divina. It's, it's divine reading. And there's four stages to it. Lexio, meditatio, oratio, contemplatio. And if you're stupid like me, I only had three years of Latin. You got these four Latin words and they all rhyme and everybody gets them mixed up. So, on this sheet that I handed out, three quarters of the way down, underneath that great quote from John of the Cross, instead of Lexio Divina, 
How about eight R's? Five and three. A second grader can memorize this, so anybody here can, even I can. So it follows Lexio Divina, but in more colloquial terms, we understand. Read, reflect, respond, receive, resolve at the beginning of the day with Scripture. And then during the day, remember, recollect, resonate. So for example, a passage which suits our times quite well. Matthew 14. The night after the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Immediately afterward, while dismissing the crowds, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and precede him to the other side. When he had sent them away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, remaining there alone as evening drew on. Meanwhile, the boat, already several hundred yards out from the shore, was being tossed about in the waves, raised by strong headwinds. At about three in the morning, he came walking toward them on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said. In their fear, they began to cry out. Jesus hastened to reassure them. Get hold of yourselves. I am. Do not be afraid. Peter spoke up and said, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you across the water. Come, he said. So Peter got up out of the boat. They began to walk on the water, moving toward Jesus. But when he perceived how strong the wind was, becoming frightened, he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus at once stretched out his hand and caught him. How little faith you have, he exclaimed. Why did you falter? Then they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. Those who were in the boat showed him reverence, declaring, beyond doubt, you are the Son of God. Now this lightning exercise I'm going to do now in about four minutes, you could take an hour with it on your own, or more, or 15 minutes, whatever suits you. The art of being engaged by Scripture is allowing the power of the Word of God to reach out and touch your mind and move your heart. So, Read, reflect, respond, receive, resolve. We just read, reflect. Think of how many sentences in that text apply directly to you right now. God probably wants one of them to leap out at you, just like Augustine was finally cured of his sins against chastity when he tole lege, when he took and read the book. God works through the Gospels uniquely transformative literature. One problem with the Bible is it's 73 books. It's not easy to read 73 books. Everybody here could read four books. And everybody here could take six hours over the course of a month and get the story. So this episode here, perhaps sinking. When you hear the news most days, don't you feel like you're sinking? because you're looking at your feet. Peter sank because he took his eyes off of Christ. Is Christ commanding us, keep 
your focus on me. I gave you the right translation of the original Greek. Not, it is I. I am. The divine name. Sometimes we whisper that beautiful name quietly in our thoughts. Or the name of Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. So reflect. Respond. I always have difficulty with this. Jesuit uh, spirituality has you responding to, to Christ or maybe speaking with him, having a discussion, maybe the Blessed Mother or a saint. This works for many people. It's never worked for me. So you can't force a spirituality on yourself. But if it helps you to compose the scene and the waves and the full moon and the roaring wind and the confusion and trying to talk to Christ in the middle of that, go to it. Receive is the most important part. Shut up. Do your work with the mind. Make your meditation. Then sit back and be quiet. One Baptist preacher put it like this. I reads till I's full. I thinks till I's clear. I prays till I's hot. And I listens till I's cool. That's actually good theology. That's the first four R's. And then resolve. Something as simple as, Lord, I have not been trusting in you. I've been trusting in the government or myself or my friends or this structure or that. It feels like we're sinking. It feels like a dark night. But you're the light. Today, every time I catch myself thinking that things are bad, I'll take a breath and put my hand over my heart. Today. Resolution. Simple. These simple little nothings add up to a great deal. Just like a simple little white disc of bread can become our Lord. The last three R's Carrying it into your day. Pause a few times. What was the insight? What was the resolution? How did I feel as I pondered this? Remember. Recollect. If you know Big Teresa, not Little Flower, Teresa of Avila, recollection. That ability to have a sense of the presence of God within you and without you, around you and about you, like carrying cool crystal water in your hands. You take a breath and think, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, is in me in an abiding way, 24-7, 365. He's with me now. That's a form of recollection. And resonate. We all know someone who manages this. Hopefully some of us here are this. When you're doing these things and you're doing them well, or attempting them, and enjoying some degree of success, you resonate a certain peace and joy that can't be faked, and that is the number one way that you guys will effectively preach the gospel in these very challenging times. Read, reflect, respond, receive, resolve. Remember, recollect, resonate. A variation in the theme conceived by St. Benedict 1,500 long years ago. It works as... It's as good as any and, and better than most. Give it a thought. Give it a try. Dive into these pages. To conclude, those 30 minutes went by swiftly. You want practice and an opportunity to learn more about these things? Retreat for young adults. 
old people like me are not allowed to come, except me. I'll be there giving it. So I'm very specific. If you were born before 1985, God loves you, but don't come on this retreat. Because you always get a few. We'll lock the doors. We won't give them the... We'll have one for them another time. But for you guys, I know you must love Frasati. It just begins with him. Because we can read a good book about Frasati. You can't get this stuff anywhere. The retreat's in August. The details are here. My email is there. Uh, my chief pleasure in life is working with people and getting them closer to my master. I'm his very good donkey, and I'm a darned good one. But a priest's job is to get you all to the feet of Christ, and like the Baptist, John, step back and leave it between you and him. We look in the, the scriptures about how Mary Magdalene did it. We look at how John did it, actually reclining on Christ's breast at the Last Supper and first to the tomb and first to believe. That's all of us here. He seeks that intimacy, Jesus, with every last one of us here. So we'll end with these words of his. I, the Protestants call this the farewell discourse in John's Gospel. That's, it's not the, he spends more time telling us he's going to stay. It's the I will abide soliloquy. We're going to look at 14 a bit of 15, and then I'll be quiet, and Father Keith will come out, Father Cummings will come out and give you the benediction. Christ is speaking on this last and most dark, desperate night of his human life. Peace is my farewell to you. My peace is my gift to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives peace. Three divine persons are trying to give us that gift right now when we so desperately need it. After peace comes something else. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Live on in my love. You will abide in my love if you keep my commandments, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. All this I tell you that my joy may be yours and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. That joy is how we preach the gospel. It worked for Francis and Claire. It'll work for us too. Thank you for taking this time tonight. The, uh, the second sheet is over there in the entryway if you want information on that retreat. Can we end with a prayer and then I shall depart? And oh, by the way, I generally hear confessions after I give a conference. So I'll go in there if there's any takers. Even if I miss out on some of the holy water out there, I don't mind that too much. Just leave a little bit for me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, send your Holy Spirit upon our brothers and sisters here. May they be men and women after your own heart. May they know and embrace your peace. May they make incarnate your joy to the world as they seek not merely to preach the gospel, but to live it. May they seek and find intimacy with you. May they love you as you desire 
and deserve to be loved. And may they be great saints in this life and in the next. And we ask this through you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Amen. And for me to give you a blessing will be redundant because you're about to get benediction. I'll be in the box. I will see some of you after that. Thank you.